everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It is so good to see you, and I, I just want to say, um, I know I say that almost every Sunday, that it's good to see you, but it really is great to see you here this morning. I, I know we're in a holiday weekend this weekend, but uh, it, it is so good to just come and, and fellowship together and, and just worship together as a, as a faith family. I, I tell you too, I, I'm also thankful for uh, Spence and our worship team. Uh, that song, that last song we just sang is is one that actually Spence wrote this past week, and or, or maybe it was a week or so ago, but he, he wrote that song uh, in light of this series and, and just what we're going to be talking about through this series called Thy Kingdom Come. And I just am so thankful for what God is doing in our life and how he continues to lead us and guide us in, in everything that, that we do. And um, last week we had a great start to our series that we started called Thy Kingdom Come. And just really letting that be the heartbeat or the prayer uh, from, our, from our hearts that, that God's kingdom would come into our life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our life on earth as it is in heaven. And so that is really the prayer behind this series and, and really just expecting God to, to really move in, in a significant way uh, as we continue to walk through the scriptures and look at God's word. And and just as I say that, let me ask you this question here this morning. I just really want to start off by asking this question. And it's a question that really, I'm not looking for necessarily a response as much as I want you to just think about this question and just uh, meditate on it a little bit, reflect on this question a little bit here this morning before we dive into God's Word. And the question is this, how many of you came in here today? Expecting God to do something significant in your life. Amen. That's a question that I really want to ask this morning to, to prepare our hearts for this message. How many of us came in here this morning expecting God to do something significant in our life? Because you see, all over this world, there are people that go to church some almost every single Sunday, and they go out of, a, out of a sense of duty, or they go out of a sense of religion, but not really expecting their lives to be changed by the presence of God in their life. And, and the reality is, I know that for many of us walking in here on a Sunday morning, if we're not careful, that this can become something that's very routine to us. And so this morning, I just want to challenge us all. How many of us came into this place expecting God to do something significant in our hearts? This past week, we were, as a staff, going through our staff devotion, and the devotion that, uh, the, the passage that we were looking at in our devotion was, was one that came out of Mark chapter 2. And at the beginning of Mark chapter 2, we see where, where Jesus, He is preaching and he is preaching uh, to the crowds, uh, and as he's preaching, the crowds begin to gather, and this home that he is meeting in is, is becoming very crowded, so crowded, in fact, the scriptures say that the, the door was blocked. You couldn't even get inside anymore to see or hear what Jesus was saying. And as he's preaching the word, and that's what the scriptures tell us, he was preaching the word, he was preaching the gospel, he was he was telling people about, uh, about uh, eternal life and, 
and spiritual things. He was preaching the word. And what we see is we see four friends who, who show up at this place. And, and as they show up, they are bringing with them their friend who is a paralytic. And, and is taking four of them to, to bring him to Jesus. And as they bring him to Jesus, they, they find this crowd that is gathered. And they realize that, that it's going to be nearly impossible to get to Jesus because the doorway is blocked and, and I can just imagine this scene in my head as people are gathering around at the windows and they're, they're just sort of looking in and they're, they're, they're listening at every word that Jesus is preaching. And suddenly these friends, they, they go up on the roof because they realize there's just no way to get their friend to this place. And as they go up on the roof, they begin to remove the tiles from the roof and they begin to tear a hole in the roof. I don't know who owned the house, but, uh, but this is what's happening. And so they're, they're removing the roof and they begin to lower their friend into this home to where their friend can come to a place where he is now at the feet of Jesus. And if you know this story, you know that Jesus, when he saw this, he, he gazed up and he saw their friends and all that. I'm sure it just kind of interrupted everything. And, and this friend who was being lowered down, and it says in Scripture that, that Jesus, as he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. What is really amazing to me about this story is that these four men, these friends who saw a great need to bring their friend who was a paralytic and bring him to the feet of Jesus, they, they came with a great expectation that Jesus Christ was going to do something significant in their life. I mean, why else would you bring this sort of destruction to the house in which Jesus was preaching? Why would you go to these extremes unless you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus could do something significant and that he would do something significant? And so this morning as we prepare our hearts for the message that we're going to be looking at here today, I, I want to just ask you, did you come in here today expecting God to do something significant in your life I pray that you did I pray that this isn't just a moment where you go to church I pray that this isn't just another Sunday morning where we out of dutiful obedience do what we feel that we should do and that is to go to church I, I pray that you came in here expecting God to do something significant in your life I pray that you came in here just really hoping that God would move in your hearts, that He would stir your souls, and that He would, and you would encounter Him in a very real and powerful way this morning. I believe that Jesus can do something significant in your life. And I believe that when we have the faith, much like these four friends, when we have the faith and Jesus sees our faith, that he chooses to work in miraculous ways. And so I pray this morning that as we come into this place, that our hearts are longing for God to do something significant in our life this morning. Do you pray that with me this morning? Do you pray that with me this morning? Can we come into the presence 
of God expecting Him to do something significant here in our hearts this morning. So let's pray. And let's pray expecting God to do something in our hearts today. Father, we thank You for this day and we we thank You, God, for this time of worship that we have already had as we have lifted our voices in song and praise and adoration to You. And Father, we recognize that You are so worthy of all that we could bring to You. Lord, we are, we, we acknowledge that we, uh, Lord, we have gathered here today to worship You. But oftentimes in our life, God, if we're not careful, we can come into this place knowing that we have gathered to worship, but not really expecting You to move in our hearts. And so, Father, I pray that today that we would be praying that in our hearts, that, God, that we would pray with great expectation that not only can You do a great work in our life, that, Father, You want to do a great work in our life and that You will do a great work in our life. Father, we love You so much and we thank You for Moments like this where we can come and gather in this place together as a, as a faith family and just encounter your presence. Be moved by your spirit. Be changed by your power. To where as we can walk out of here never being the same. So Father, I pray that today as we, as we dive into your word that God you would speak deeply into our hearts and that you would you would stir our very souls, God, and that we would, we would have such a certainty that we encountered you this morning. Father, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. What we're talking about today is, is shifting our passion, shifting our passion. Last week, we talked about shifting our perspective, and we talked about seeing things the way Christ would have us to see things. But today, uh, we want to talk about shifting our passion. And one of the things that could probably be said about all of us here today is that there are a lot of things that we're passionate about. Most all your friends probably know what you're passionate about because your life is reflective of your passions. But this morning, we want to talk about shifting our passion, and, or, or at least making sure and ensuring that our passion is a passion for Christ. And so we're going to be looking at this. Passion can be defined very simply like this, a strong and barely controllable emotion or feeling. Let me say that again. Passion can be defined as a strong and barely controllable emotion or feeling. I was 23 years old when I surrendered my life to Christ Jesus, and even though I loved Jesus, and there was no doubt that I, that I did love Jesus, I, I loved Him, I knew that He had, he had saved me, that, that as I continued with life as a young man, I continued to stumble, and I continued to uh, just stumble as I moved forward in my faith, because quite honestly, I had real issues that I had to work through. 
There were issues of doubt in my life. Even as a, as a man who had given his life to Christ Jesus, there was issues of doubt. There was issues of anxiety. There was issues of fear. There was even despair at times in my life. And so as a young man, just living out this, this new faith that I had in Christ Jesus, even though if you had asked me and I would have said, yes, indeed, I love Jesus, that, that oftentimes my life didn't reflect that. It wasn't always. It was some, some days it was worse than others, and other days the struggle was greater than others. Sometimes it would move from moment to moment. But the reality was, as I was living out my faith, there were real struggles in my life. There was moments of, of this great despair. I was going to church. I was in Sunday school. I loved Jesus. I did good deeds. I did all of these things. And so I, I couldn't understand when oftentimes, even though I, I knew I was a Christian, I didn't feel much like a Christian. There were times in my life where I just, I was struggling so, and I, I couldn't understand why that would be. Why is it that there would be such great struggle in my life? And I remember one time as I was sitting there in a Bible study with some other men in my life, and we were, we were walking through a, a, a study on Revelation, and as we were doing that, I remember we got to Revelation chapter 2, and, uh, and, and we started reading, and I, I forget who was reading the passage, but I was, I was sitting there with these men, and I was reading this passage. And in Revelation 2, these are the words that I read that day where it said this in Revelation 2, 1 through 4. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toils, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and hearing, or excuse me, bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But in verse 4 it says this, it says, but I have this, against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And in that moment, as I was reading through this passage among these men, as we studied this passage together, it was in, it was in that moment as we read this, I began to realize that that was me. That was me. Jesus is saying to the Ephesians, he says, man, you do all these things right. You do these things well. You've patiently endured through many of your struggles. But then Jesus comes to this point in this passage to the Ephesians where he says, but this I hold against you, that you have abandoned your first love. And I realize that that's not me every moment of my life. I realize that that was not me every day of my life. But, but what I, I realized was that the Word of God was speaking deeply into my heart as I read this. And, and I remember thinking, that is me to a T. I remember I began to tear up. And it's those tears that sort of well up in a man's eyes when you realize that it's the kind of tears that you realize if your friends see those tears, it's going to get real awkward in here. Real men don't cry, right? I, I remember just sort of tearing up as I, I came to this realization that 
that so often in my life, it was as if Jesus was saying to me that day, he says, David, you do all these things well. You, you do these things for my glory. And there's no doubt that I, I believe that you love me. But, but there are so many times in your life where you just lose sight of who I am. And oftentimes, you abandon your first love. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just blew me up. And one moment, He changed the course of my life. As He helped me to realize that oftentimes, my eyes are on everything else but Jesus. My heart is on everything else but Jesus. That my, my soul aches for everything other than Jesus. Oftentimes, even myself. What the Holy Spirit began to teach me that day is this, is that, you know, no one has, has lied to me more than I have lied to myself. It's, it was as if God was saying to me, you need to take your eyes off of everything else for a moment and take your eyes off of even yourself. And, 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 and David, look at me. And it blew me away. It changed my life. It was as if God was saying to me, David, stop looking at everything else and just look at me. Now here's what I know. I know that most of you are just like me. And I know that because I have conversation with you and I talk with you and you share a lot of these same struggles that you have from from day to day as you walk through your faith with Christ Jesus. I, I, I talk to many of you and I realize that that, that, that for most of us in this room, this is how our life is so often, that we, we so often have our eyes on everything else but Jesus in our life. And, and, and I know this because we, we struggle with this, and I hear from you, and I, and, and I still struggle with it myself. And maybe for some of you, you're more mature and more spiritual than I am, and that's certainly possible. And maybe this isn't you, but I believe for most of us in this room, this applies. And so here I was looking at this passage that we're going to be looking at here in just a moment and I begin to realize that, that many of us struggle with these, these issues of anxiety and fear and doubt and despair and pride and anger and all of these things that emotionally trip us up and cause us to take our eyes off of the first love that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul David Tripp, he, he says this about our emotions. He says, your emotional life is always a window into what has captured your all. It is, a quiet, it is quite clear that your emotions always reveal the true thoughts, motives, desires, longings, hopes, and dreams of your heart. I love that. He says, the emotional life is always a window into what has captured your you're all. And so this morning, I want to ask you another question as we prepare to dive in Matthew 22. What is it that has captured your all? What is it that has captured your all? Is it Jesus or is it everything else? This morning, we're going to be looking at a passage in, in Matthew 22 talking about shifting our passion. Matthew 22, 34 through 38. The Apostle Paul, he once said this, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
you, you know, you hear the words like that and you realize real quickly that uh, this is a man who's very passionate for Christ because what he's saying is, he says, as I live my life, if, as long as there's, there's breath in my lungs, I'm going to be living for Jesus. But if I die, then I know that I gain everything because I get to stand in eternity with the Father. And so here's a man who quite honestly understands and we see a glimpse into his life as to where his passion lies. And so I know for me as I was reading through this and, and preparing for this message here, the, the question that I kept hearing from God is, what is it that is capturing your all? My prayer is this morning as we continue through this series of this sermon that, that we would come to realize there is such a great need to be standing as children of God in awe of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we turn to Matthew 22, verse 34 through 38. And here, Jesus has just been questioned by the Sadducees concerning the resurrection. He's been speaking on the resurrection, and they've questioned him on this, among other things. But Jesus, being Jesus, he has put these religious leaders in their place. In fact, the Scriptures tell us that he has silenced them. And they have come to this place where... They just have nothing else to say. There's no, they really don't know what else to bring to him. And so they've been silenced by Jesus. And I do believe this is indeed a big deal. But now the Pharisees move in. These other religious leaders, they move in. And it's their turn to, to take a swipe at Jesus. And, and so here in this passage, we, we read this, starting with verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, or he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Let's, let's, let's look at that again because this is where we're going to camp out here the rest of the morning. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. My hope this morning and this message is that, that as we look at the Word of God, that it would help us to to take our eyes and our hearts and our minds off of everything else that consumes us, at least for a moment that we would get a glimpse of, of who Christ Jesus is, that we would truly see Him for who He is. And as we do this, we would be captured in, in awe of Him as we consider all that He has accomplished for us, as we consider the great things that He has accomplished for us. But beyond that, even as we are captured by the reality of just who He is. He is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and as, he, as He brings this to the disciples, He says, listen, uh, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. I believe that true freedom will not come to us this morning. Until we take our eyes off of everything else but Jesus. Jesus is speaking of having 
a burning and beautiful and marvelous passion for God. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. C.S. Lewis, he once said this, he says, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I love that. My hope and my prayer this morning is that you would realize that you have been created for another world. For God's kingdom. As we looked at last week and we we talked about shifting our perspective, I pray that this morning in light of who God is and and our, our longing to see God do something truly significant in our heart, that the prayer that flows from our very hearts would be, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My prayer this morning is that we would be captured by the ever-presence of God in our life and that we would realize that, that when we come into a place like this, even when we leave this place and we go out into our community, we're hanging out with our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers, uh, wherever we find ourselves, wherever we live, work, and play, that, that the heartbeat of our hearts would be, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that we would believe with great expectation that Christ Jesus wants to do something significant in our hearts. That's my prayer. I want us to know that today. I want us to know that we were created for something more. I want us to know that Christianity is not just a religion where we check off a box on Sunday morning. I want us to know Jesus I want us to know Him more. I want us to long for Him. 1 Peter encourages us in 2.9. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. This morning, I want us to discover that marvelous light. I want us to see the glories of God as we expect Him to do something significant in our life. Now, will we have struggles? Yes. We'll always have struggles. Will there be things that we have to push through? Will there be moments of doubt? Will there be moments of anxiety? Will there, you know, yes, of course there will. There will always be those things that we have to face as believers in Christ Jesus that we have to press through. But here's what I love about what the Scripture teaches us as we consider this desire in our heart to long for Christ, to to long for God to do something significant in our hearts as we long for His kingdom to come, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I love about what the Scriptures teach us. The Apostle Paul once said, he says, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. That's what Christ does for us. That's what God does for us. And I pray, I pray that we are captivated this morning by the ever-presence 
of God in our life. Three kind of passions that Jesus speaks of here in this passage. If we just look at this one verse, there's really three things that Jesus is really speaking into and he challenges us, I believe, to press into. I know for me, as I was reading these words and the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to him, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And he he real quickly turns to, well, the greatest commandment is this. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And he says, this is the first and the greatest of all commandments. And so we see, we begin to see these three aspects of loving God well. We begin to see these, these, these elements of, of having a passion for God. And we begin to see, as we look at this text, that, that the kind of passion that Jesus is speaking of here as we dive into this text involves really three things. And I want to give you these this morning. The first one is a passion driven by faith. A passion that is driven by faith. He starts off and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The kind of love that flows from the heart is a love by which faith is involved. By which faith is involved. To love God passionately, but to love Him knowing that God is who He says He is, that He has accomplished in our life what His Word says that He can and what we know He has accomplished in our life. And so we begin to see that as Jesus is, is sort of giving this back to the Pharisees as he's speaking into them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. He's not talking about a head knowledge here. No, not yet. He's going to get to that in just a moment. But what he is talking about is the kind of love that, that, that where we can say, you know what, I, I can't explain it. I can't see it. I don't understand everything about it. But I know that I know that I know. I believe where? In my heart. I believe in my heart that Christ is who he says he is. That Christ is who the word of God reveals that he is. I believe in my heart that Christ is my savior. I believe that he is my hope. I believe that he is my redemption. I believe all these things about Jesus Christ and I believe them in my heart. And so God says here, or Jesus says here, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And we begin to realize that faith has to be involved in this if we are going to believe and have a passion for God that stems from the heart. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things unseen. Oftentimes we can't we can't explain our faith. We, we find a struggle explaining our faith. Many times we face those who are critical of our faith and they go, why do you believe in that nonsense? And we say to them, it's not nonsense to me. It's what I believe. It's what I feel. It's what I know in my heart. And here we see where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Hebrews continues in verse 6 and he tells us this. He says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, I may not be able to physically see God 
which so often our critics will point to. But that doesn't mean that I don't know with great certainty that he exists. That doesn't mean that I don't know with great assurance that he has done something significant in my life because this great love, this passion that I have for Jesus, it flows from the heart. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And he also says, with all of your soul. And so we begin to realize that that the kind of passion that Jesus is speaking of here also is a passion that flows from depth. From depth. It's not surface level for us. It's not something that just sort of rides on our shoulders. It's something that comes from deep within. within. The love that we have for God, the great love, the passion that we have for Jesus, it it flows from from within. And, And so here Jesus is speaking of this love and this passion that comes from deep within us, from the the depth of our very soul. And the Bible, it doesn't offer us a real clear understanding of the nature of the human soul. We know that it's not the physical part of us. We know that about the soul. We also know that the soul is central to the personhood of who we are as human beings. Uh, we, We know that the soul can be lost or it can be saved. It is the eternal within us. We don't have a a clear glimpse of the soul, but what we do know is that the soul is deep within us. And and so Christ would say, listen, love him with all your heart, but don't let it be surface level. Let it come from deep within you. From deep within you. And my friends, this morning I would challenge you as we consider this reality, these truths, as we look into the scriptures, that, that if our love for Jesus isn't deep within us, if it's not something that can that is unshakable, if it's something that just is, is filled with uncertainty, then I would question you to consider if you really know Jesus or not. He says, love him with all of your heart, but love him with all of your soul. And so it talks of a, of a passion that flows from a great depth. In Psalm 103, we see where where David is uh, speaking of God. And and it's obvious that David's passion, it runs deep from from within when he says these words in Psalm 103. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And all that is within me. I don't know about you, but when I read that Psalm, when I read where David says these words, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. It sounds very bassy. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I don't know about you. I sit down here on the front row right in front of one of these bass speakers. And I love it when the band is playing and, you know, they're, 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 they're doing their thing and all of a sudden somebody hits that bass chord, you know, and my teeth rattle. I mean, it, it, it penetrates deep within, you know what I mean? It's like Spence is up here playing his acoustic guitar and some others. And then that bass player, he just hits one note, doom, and it just penetrates my soul. I mean, it just comes in and it just, my feet come off the ground for a moment. You know what I mean? It just, it just rattles everything. And I actually love that. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm one of those guys when I'm at the red light and the car comes up and it's like, boom, boom. And you can't hear anything about it. You just hear, you know, and my truck is shaking. I actually enjoy that. I'll just be honest with you. I'm like, I wish I had one of those where I could just go down the road, just boom, 
boom, boom. I don't know why it just feels good to me, okay? Maybe that's why we have them. I don't know. But it just, but you know, I have to get the fillings in my teeth just sort of refilled about every month because it just rattles them out of there sitting on the front row. But when I see this, when I, when I see David and he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what I feel like he said. I feel like he's saying, man, it's just, I can't contain it. It's coming from within. It has depth. My love for God, it has depth. It's not surface level. It has depth. And it comes from deep within my soul. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless. See how it goes deeper? At least I read it that way. Bless his holy name. It just has base to it. I don't know why. Some passages of Scripture are high in trouble. This one's deep in base. You know what I mean? You think I'm crazy, and that's okay. I'm crazy for Jesus, I can promise you that. Promise you that. But he says this, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Is that the God that you believe in? Is that the God that you love? Is that the God that has captured your all? Or have you not yet seen that God because something else has captured your all? Because everything else in your world has captured your all. The last thing that I want to talk about, the third thing that Jesus points out here, the kind of passion that Jesus is speaking of here, is a passion that's also protected by reason. A passion that is protected by reason. You see, here's what Jesus says. He says, he says, when confronted by the religious leaders of his day, those people who wanted to be known for their religious systems, when they come to Jesus and they say, oh, Jesus, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment within the law? He says, love God with all of your heart, love him with all of your soul, and love him with all of your mind. Now, here's what we must understand, that our faith is not an intellectual decision that we make. And that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. I think there's a lot of people who know a lot about Jesus, and yet they don't know him. Our faith is not, a, it's not an intellectual decision that we have made. It's, we haven't reasoned out Christianity and come to this conclusion that it is true. But what Jesus does say is he says, love God with all of your heart, love him with all of your soul, and then he says, and love him with all of your mind. Passion, protected by reason. Let me explain that for you. There, there's a Greek word that, that, is, that is used here to, to really describe an English word, apology. It's apologia. It's a Greek word. It's, it, it's a word that is used to, give, it gives us our word apology. And this word, it literally means to make a defense for. To make a defense for. And so 
as, as we look at this, where Jesus would say, love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, I mean, all your soul and all of your mind, we begin to realize that what Jesus is pointing to is he says, listen, I don't, it's not important that you, just, that you just feel God with your heart, that you know him deep from within the soul, but you must also know him intellectually so that as those who come to you to speak of how foolish you are for believing in him, that you would be able to give a defense for the very faith that you have. And so he says, love God with your heart, love him with your soul, but also love him with your mind that you would be able to give a defense for your faith. Peter says this in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. He says, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone, to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Here Jesus says, love God passionately, even with your mind, and be prepared to be able to defend your faith. Be prepared to be able to defend your faith. What I love about that is when the old devil comes around and he'll come around from time to time, amen? He'll come around and he begins to, to try to convince us that our faith is foolishness. He begins to try to convince us that our faith in Christ Jesus brings us no hope at all. He begins to discourage us. He, he wants us to be living in a place of despair. And so as he comes around and he begins to convince us of these things, we would be able to say, oh no, Mr. Devil, you got it wrong, buddy, because you see, I believe in my heart. I know that Christ is real. I know what he has accomplished for me in my heart. And that, that faith that I have in Christ Jesus, it comes from the soul. It comes from deep within. And there is nothing that you're going to say to me that's going to convince me otherwise and I know that though the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing to me it is the power of God unto salvation that's what it is to me you see there's a certainty there's an assurance that Jesus Christ is everything I believe he is and I believe that he is there's an assurance that, that the faith that I have in Christ Jesus, it's not just something I believe in my heart. It's not just something that comes from the soul. But I understand it with my mind, and I love Him from all three of these places of my life. You see, it's everything. It's a passion for God that, froze, that flows from from all of me. I am consumed by the power and the presence of God. I believe with my heart. It's secured in my soul. It's protected by my mind. And there's not a friend or a family member or anybody else that's going to convince me otherwise that Jesus isn't who he says he is. That the word of God, as it describes Jesus, isn't life and precious to my ears. 
There is nothing that is going to convince me otherwise. The Apostle Paul, he once said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When I can love God with all of my heart, when I can love God with all of my soul, when I can love God with all of my mind, I too can say that. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of my faith. Because with every fiber of my being, I believe. I believe Him. And I love him more than anything else that this world would offer. I don't know about you this morning. I don't know. Maybe you came into this place this morning. Maybe you walked in here a little defeated. Maybe you walked into this place this morning wrestling with your faith. Maybe you came in here this morning where your passion and your love for Jesus may have faded just a bit. Maybe you came in here this morning and you thought, what's the use? Maybe you came in here this morning and you felt like you couldn't live up to the expectations of God. Maybe the struggle is so great in your life that you just don't know how you're going to overcome this thing called life. Maybe you walked in here this morning out of dutiful obedience. Maybe you walked in here this morning just as a sense of obligation to go to church because it's the right thing to do. You know, when we begin to try to live our life based off of those sorts of expectations that God may be putting on our life, we're really not getting a clear picture of what it's all about. Can I just just say this to you this morning? That God doesn't love some future version of yourself. He loves you today. And He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're dealing with, whether it's anxiety or fear or despair or discouragement, whether it's pride or arrogance, whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. And He loves you where you are. I believe above everything else that exists in our world today, everything else that we may understand, everything else that we may know, I believe that what God wants us to walk away with today is an understanding that the greatest thing that we could do is love Him back. Love Him with our hearts. Love Him with our souls. And love Him with our minds. In just a moment, our pastors are going to come forward and our band's going to come up and we're going to sing that last song. And, and I pray that today, maybe you didn't come in here today expecting to do something significant in your life, but maybe, maybe God has. Maybe, maybe God has done something in your life like He did in my life so many years ago as I was reading through Revelation 2. And he says, David, take your eyes off of everything else and look at me. Maybe that's where we need to be this morning. Maybe the heart 
of our prayer this morning would be to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't want to lose focus of my first love. I don't want to ever forget the reality that, that you care deeply for me and I want to surrender to the reality that you are my hope that I may love you the way you want me to love you because I know that you already love me that way. And so let me pray for us. Our pastors will be down front. I'll be down here. If you want to come to this altar this morning and you want to just pray, if you want to come to this altar this morning and just pray, maybe you have a family member or a friend that, that desperately needs Jesus in their life, that their eyes will be open, that there would be a shift in their perspective. But more importantly than that, that there would be a shift in their passion. And it would be a passion for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for all that you are. Lord, as we think about David years ago, proclaiming, if no one else but to himself, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Lord, we get a glimpse of the depth of his love for you. And Lord, we know that David wasn't perfect. Lord, we know that David, much like ourselves, he struggled with his faith. But Father, there's no doubting his love for you. The scriptures even teach us that he was a man after your own heart. And so, Father, I pray that today the passion of our heart, the passion of our soul, the passion of our mind would be inclined to you that, Lord, the, the thing, that, that which we would de desire and long for more than anything else is to have a love that is great for you. Father, I realize that most of us in this room struggle day by day with our faith. There are so many things that creep in. But God, we also know that when our eyes are on the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, that our passion grows stronger. Father, be with us now as we prepare to sing, as we prepare to lift up our voices in praise. God, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.